Alright, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. Dave Everett, I don't think I got my name right. Uh, anyway, we'll be continuing our teaching this morning on uh, being established in righteousness. This is actually part 11 or 12, I'm not sure, but we're, we'll, we'll dive right back in in just a minute. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we also want to say thank you to all those who uh, desire to partner with us with their tithes and their offerings and contributions. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthouseexception.org. Go to the Give page. Top right-hand corner is a, a blue button, and uh, all the information is there. Um, so like I said, we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on being established in righteousness. This is, as I've said in, uh, in many weeks prior, that we... This is the main teaching I teach. Everything that I teach in this church is based on this foundational message that I teach here. And over the years, I've broken this teaching up into six segments. And we are actually starting our fifth segment this morning that I have a subtitle to called A Testimony of Scripture. And I'll explain that as we get going uh, this morning. So this is the fifth of six segments that I've, I, I've created over, over the years. Um, under the umbrella of being established in righteousness, okay? And so, uh, anyway, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3. <coughs> <coughs> Romans chapter 3. And a lot of the scriptures, especially this one, we have already seen before in this series so far. Uh, but just, this time around, I'm going to spend a little bit more time with it uh, here at the beginning. And then uh, we'll springboard the rest of the segment off this scripture. Okay? So, uh, I just passed the scripture. So, anyway, uh, we'll go to 3, chapter 3, verse 20. And we'll begin with verse 20. Excuse me. So, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, but now... When's now? Now. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. We're going to come back to this scripture. This is actually going to be our main springboard for this segment. Okay? Let's continue down to verse 42. Even the righteousness of God through the faith in Christ Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe when there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I've heard that all my life, and that's true. Okay? That is true. But a lot of people quote that and say that's the gospel. Well, no. First of all, there's no good news in that. It's true. Okay? The gospel is good news. Okay? It's not bad news. Bad news may be true, but that's not gospel. Okay? We have to make sure we, we get that clear. But it's true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are... None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve righteousness. We've all fallen short. Okay? Even the best of us, we've all fallen short. We've all, and one says, by our, by, the de by our own deeds, because by the deeds of the law, let's go back in, no flesh can be justified. <laughs> so by your performance of keeping the law, you cannot be justified. I'm going to come back to that, spend some time on that. Okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And verse 23 ends with a comma. Okay? It's not a sentence. It's not the end of the sentence. Okay? Yes, it's true. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve hell. Okay? And without Jesus Christ, we're going there. Okay? But being justified free by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the end of the sentence. Sorry, I forgot to put the period up here. Okay? But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we've been justified. And if you've been around this teaching long enough, the word justified, justification, and the word righteousness are the exact same word in the Greek. We've been declared righteous. We've been justified freely. We didn't pay anything. We didn't earn it. It's free. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He really wants us. Nothing's free. But you and I didn't pay for it. Jesus did by his blood. He purchased us. He redeemed us. By, he redeemed us by his blood. We have redemption through Jesus Christ. That redemption is only found in Christ Jesus. It's not by your flesh. It's not by your works of the law. It's given to you freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation, a substitute, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forebears, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the, of the one who has put their faith in Jesus. Okay, now we spent a lot of time in the, in the past in this, in this whole series talking about the, uh, these two verses right here, as well as what I just talked about in verses 23 and 24. I spent a lot of time, okay, and so I'm not going to rehash that now. You need, you need to read the archives. And it's worth repeating, don't get me wrong, but I want to get some, some new, new territory this morning. These teachings, this series is supposed to go together, okay? It's hard to sit, do it in one setting. If I keep repeating the same thing, which is good, I'll never get to the new material, okay? So, anyway, uh, enough, with, enough with that. Okay, that makes sense? But, and I spent a lot of time with this, and it's worth, it's worth saying again. But, let me just say a little bit for now, is, you know, we, we've all sinned, and we're, but we're justified freely by the grace and redemption of Christ, Christ Jesus, whom God set as our substitute by his blood, to, so by us putting faith in his grace, we're saved. Salvation is faith in His grace. God gave us His grace, and we are. And what was His grace? His grace was being our was dying for us, because we all fell short. We were all destined to go to hell, and the, the consequence, the law that many people think that we justified is not the you can't be justified. It's the ministry of death. It's the ministry of condemnation. The law says you fell short, you die. And there's no curve. There's no grade. The law can't save you. Okay? And we're looking just a minute, going backwards, that all everything I'm trying to say is testified, is witnessed in the scriptures, in the law. The law even says this. Okay? And we'll get to that. Okay? So we've been, we've got faith in his grace. His grace is given to us freely. And what's his grace? Him being the, our substitute. He died for us. He took. He became sin. He took the penalty of sin. He died for sin. That by us putting faith in him to demonstrate his, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. 
okay, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and a justifier and who has faith in Jesus. Now a lot of you might say, well, Jesus being our propitiation, our substitute for the things that we did wrong, it's not fair. You're exactly right, it's not fair. There's nothing fair about salvation. There's nothing fair about righteousness. Okay? It's called grace. It's called mercy. Mercy is not fair. Grace is not fair. But it's powerful. And it's, it's called the gospel. Okay? And so, <clears throat> um, and the scriptures say, and it's testified in the Old Testament, which we'll get to some of that, that Jesus, God, is just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. Why? Because of this whole thing called grace, propitiation. Uh, he did all this to demonstrate his righteousness. We're talking about being established in righteousness. He demonstrated his righteousness by dying on the cross for to demonstrate. To demonstrate. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. That at the present time, his righteousness. His righteousness. That's what we're talking about. That he might be just and justify those who put faith in Jesus. Okay. We might not understand this in a natural point of view, but that's why we need the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher that can explain it and give us a revelation of this. This is awesome. This is called good news. And good news is called the gospel. And the gospel, according to Romans 1, 16 and 17, reveals this righteousness. Which is echoed everything I'm just saying. He's saying this in Romans chapter 3. He said what I just said in Romans chapter 1. Okay. What that's that, actually, I have it on the screen, I forgot that. So, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. There's that faith. To the Jew first and also the Greek, for therein, therein what? The gospel, that's what he's talking about. It is the righteousness of God revealed that from faith to faith, that the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. This is really just repeating the same thing he just said here, just in different terminology. Okay? This is, you know, these two verses are the thesis of the whole book. And so he's expounding on that thesis even in chapter 3 and throughout the whole book. Okay? So, with that in mind, let's go back to verse 20 and 21. Excuse me. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. I want to spend some time with that, but before I do that, let me go forward and we'll go backwards. Excuse me. But by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is the knowledge of sin. See, the law gives you the knowledge of sin. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So the message you're hearing from a preacher, or on Facebook, or any other message, if they're revealing your sin, they're teaching you the law. They're not teaching you the gospel. Okay? The law may be true. Because the law is going to tell you this, that you've all sinned. It's, good, it's true. It's not a lie. Okay? It's true. But the gospel, the law, is the knowledge of sin. 
They can't justify you. By keeping it. By repenting and obeying it. You can't be justified. You can, I'm going to teach you this morning. Afresh. There's only one way to receive salvation. See the gospel is the power of God. Unto salvation. His blood. That we're going to get to. Is how we get saved. We receive Jesus. We are just by those who have faith in Jesus. So the gospel is the power of God, God of salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the right to God revealed from faith to faith. Because the just shall live by his so, the, so, the, so the, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. No flesh can be declared righteous. Okay, That's what that means. That's the exact same word in, in the Greek. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. See, the, 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 the law is the knowledge of sin. Righteousness it revealed apart from the law. But even though it's revealed apart from the law, it's being witnessed by the law. And that, that just sounds like to some people we're talking out both sides of our mouth. We're just making nonsense. How can it be revealed without the law and yet it's being witnessed by the law? What's a witness? The way I understand witness, one way I like to explain it is if, at least in, in, uh, in the courts in the U.S., even though some of them are still corrupt, and I'll, I'll keep it at that, is that when you are in the witness stand, you are giving testimony what you saw, what you heard, what you were an eyewitness of. And I'm sure there's a, a broader and more specific definition of that. But you're giving testimony to what you heard, set or saw, or what you know. Okay? Sometimes they'll put a professional on the stand, like a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, and they will give their professional uh, uh, diagnosis or what they know about the situation. Okay? And that's part of being the witness. Okay? So the law is giving testimony. It doesn't reveal the law, it doesn't reveal righteousness. No, the gospel. The gospel reveals righteousness. The law gives a knowledge of sin. But the law is a witness to this righteousness that is revealed now apart from the law. In other words, the law is a te giving testimony that righteousness is revealed apart from itself. <laughs> okay, and we're going to see that in, uh, in Scripture. So, anyway, we're going to get to here. But before I go back here, I want to go backwards. Okay. Okay. By the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. Okay. Now, I need to pause for one second before I go to where I'm going. I use this word scripture a lot. Scripture uses the word scripture a lot. Especially in the sayings of Jesus. Especially in the writings of Paul and many others in the New Testament. Now keep this in mind. Now, before you say what I'm going to say, let me just make a little uh, disclaimer. I believe 
the New Testament is Scripture. I believe both the Old and New Testament are Scripture, okay? I'm not saying it's not. But, when the word Scripture is used in Scripture, in the New Testament, the New Testament wasn't written yet. It was being written, it was being written, because that's where we saw the word, <laughs> okay? We saw the word in the New Testament, but it's talking about Scripture. It's referring to the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets. And the word Scripture we'll look at later in, in the session, the Law and the Prophets or the Psalms, the Old Testament. Okay? Matthew, Malachi. <coughs> Excuse me. So, when you see the word Scripture, even though we believe the New Testament is Scripture too, when they're writing it, they are referring to, if you want to be technical, and I'm just being technical for a purpose, they're talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it has Christ in it concealed, and the New Testament is Christ revealed. And I'll bring this out in a few moments when I get there today, I get that far. Okay? So scripture is talking about the Old Testament. Okay? We're not excluding the New Testament because we're going to find this word in the New Testament. Okay? But that's, I just want to bring some clarification because that will help you understand a little bit what the writers and what uh, even some of the sayings of Jesus are referring to. Okay? So, so anytime we hear Scripture, that's why I say that because the title of this segment that I'm teaching is called The Testimony of Scripture. The Scriptures, the Law and the Prophets, Give a testimony, a witness to what we're just what we're what we're not, what we're teaching right now. Okay, that the righteousness apart from the law is not revealed. Okay, so, so let's go back here. So therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. No flesh will be justified. Okay, you can't be justified by the law. So in order to explain this before, uh, uh, and I'll come back to this one more time, before we uh, explain it in a lot more detail. Let's go to the book of Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 1. Sorry for going back and forth, but I'm going back and forth on purpose because there's a, there's a purpose of why I teach it this way. Okay. I want you to be able to connect the dots, hopefully. I can teach it, but the Holy Spirit's got to reveal it to you. Okay. Hebrews chapter 1, we'll begin with verse 1. And we looked at this uh, uh, passage of scripture before in other, uh, previous segments. It says, um, let me check it myself. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, that's Old Testament, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has said appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high. Let's go back. Let's read this a little slower. So, God, through various times and in various ways throughout history, the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrews. And they love their history. Okay? And rightfully so. Okay? There's, no, there's nothing negative about that. Okay? 
God, throughout history, he's the ancient of days. He has been, he's, the, he's the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. Before um, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. The God, in other words, God's always been speaking. The problem is most of us are not listening. Okay. It's like the radio waves. There's radio waves in this room right now. All kinds of radio signals. From Wi-Fi to different things. But you need a receiver to pick up whatever's being transported. God's speaking. He's speaking to us in His written word. He's speaking to us by His Holy Spirit. He's speaking to pastors and different prophets and different people. God is always speaking in various times and various ways. God has spoken to us and to, to, our, to their fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to many others, David, and so on. God spoke to Paul. God spoke to Jesus. God spoke to John and James. Okay? God has spoken various times and various times by the prophets. And in, in the Old Testament, one of the primary ways God spoke to the people were through the prophets. And we have prophets, even Moses is called a prophet, and even uh, Samuel is called a prophet, and, and others. Uh, God has spoken to us in various ways through the prophets. Has in the la these last days spoken to us by his son. God has spoken in various ways through the prophets. And, if you, and we'll get to the scripture eventually. The scriptures, meaning the Old Testament, they testify of who? Jesus. Of me. Jesus said. So the Old Testament, God has already spoken, but they all are speaking to of Jesus. Okay? But he has in these last days spoken to us, not through a prophet, even though that might still be. He's spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the word of God, be that has become flesh. God has spoken many times, many ways. Whom... Now he's talking about who the Son is, who Jesus is, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. He's the creator, who being the brightness of his glory, an expressed image of his person. Jesus is an expressed image of God. As he told Philip, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And that's where I want to get to. And I've told him all things by the word of his power. I want to pause there. God's been speaking at various times, through various ways, since the beginning. Since the genesis of all things. God's been speaking at various times, various manners, through the prophets. He's now speaking to us through His Son. His Son is the heir of all things. He's the creator of the worlds. He's the express image of the Father. And His Son is upholding all things. Everything that He created. He's upholding all things. By the power of his word. Singular. It's not plural. And there's a very specific word that he is upholding all things. When he, we're talking about the Son, we're talking about Jesus, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, they're talking about his death burial, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Okay? He is upholding all things by the word of his power when he himself purged our sins. In other words, there's a very specific word 
that he is upholding all things, and that is when he purged our sins. Another way, I usually teach it this way, that if God, Jesus Christ, did not die for our sins, and ascend and sit at the right hand of majesty on high, then we would just turn to goo. And our wife corrected me years ago. We wouldn't turn to goo. We would just vanish. We would just cease to exist. Okay? And so, <coughs> God has spoken various times, every way he's now spoken to us by his son, when he himself purged our sins. Okay? And there was, there was a very specific word. That God is speaking. That God is upholding everything. And that is the gospel. And the gospel that reveals his righteousness. Are you following me? Because this gospel reveals the righteous God. This gospel is the power of God and salvation. And this gospel is how he is upholding all things. Because the gospel, just let me clarify, for those of you who are confused, the gospel is, if I can narrow it down, it's the birth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. If you want to keep it real short, it's a death, death, it's a death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which includes the ascension. Okay, that was that's mentioned right here. He sat down on the right hand of Majesty on high. Okay, this is powerful to me. God, there's a very specific word. We're talking about the testimony of Scripture. In all Scripture, God is, God is upholding everything by this specific word when He purged our sins. Everything. And if He did not purge our sins, we would cease to exist. Everything. The cosmos, everything. Because He is upholding all things. By the word of his power when he purged our sins. That's awesome. Okay? So, uh, with that in mind, let's go to, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we're going to, I'll, I'll, I'll tag back to Romans chapter 3 and tag us in real quick. So let me just read something here. And we're going to, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We've seen this before. But we're going to go back here again. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remained unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. We're talking about the testimony of Scripture. Under the umbrella of talking about being established in righteousness. Their eyes, their eyes were blinded over a veil. What's the veil? The Old Testament. Okay? And some of you might be mad at me for saying that. I didn't say it. The Scripture did the Word of God says that the Old Testament serves as a veil and blinds their minds. Hold on with me. Let's hear Paul out. Because the veil is taken away where? In Christ, the new covenant. But even to this day, when Moses is read, that's the Old Testament, a veil lies on their heart. <coughs> no flesh can be justified by the law. The law doesn't reveal the righteousness of God. The law actually serves as a veil, blinding your mind and blinding your heart. Okay? Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, to Jesus, 
this vow is taken away. Okay. And so, in other words, one thing I just want to make one little point here. Are we banishing the law and making little of it? No. And we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. The law has a point. The law is holy. The law is good. It just can't make you holy and good. And we'll get there. Okay. But sometimes, you know, am I saying it's still okay to murder and kill still and all this? No. But just by observing that law, or those laws, you can't become holy. Okay? And we'll get there. Just bear with me. But sometimes we can get so... I hope this is not taking the right word here. Enamored with the letter of the law. That we miss the spirit of the law. Sometimes we get, get so established and so dogmatic and so zealous about keeping the law and about obeying Jesus which I'm all for I'm not teaching in any way shape or form that we're supposed to disobey the word of God but we can so be so dogmatic about keeping the law that that's how we get saved and we never lead people to the spirit of the law because the law testifies of Jesus. If we don't lead people to Jesus, we just lead people to performance. They're not saved. Because by the deeds of the law, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. It's not about obeying the word of God, even though I'm all for that. I'm not teaching you to disobey the law. Okay. I'm teaching you to receive Jesus Christ. To receive the gospel of Christ. That is the power of God. The power unto salvation to everyone who believes. I'm teaching you to receive this propitiation. That is the demonstration of God's righteousness. Because he says he's just and justified those who put faith in Jesus. He did not say he was just and the justifier of those who keep the law. He says he's just and the justifier of those who put their faith in Jesus. And some of you want to add to that. And by doing that, you distort the gospel. And we'll, 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 we'll make that clear here in just a moment. Okay, so again, Romans chapter 3. Well, let me just say one more thing. The law, if that's all you're established in, is blinding your mind and it's blinding your heart. How do you remove that? I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to hopefully by the Holy Spirit to convict you. Because he says in uh, John 16 that the world he convicts of sin, but that the church he convicts of righteousness. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole other message that so that later. Okay. But how do you remove this veil? Take away Christ. You, you turn to the Lord. You, you push Jesus. I push Jesus. Do I want people to live holy? Yes. But I want them to receive Jesus, and Jesus who's in them will live holy, not them. 
I'm not putting my faith in you. I'm not putting my faith in what I do. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus who's going to live his life through me. For I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I the just shall live by his faith. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> okay? So therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. I want to spend a little bit more time with this. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. See, when we say this, when we read this, and when we put the emphasis on this like I'm doing right now, many people are, will argue, well, you know, you tell me the law is not good and not holy? No, no. Okay? The law is good. The law is holy. But we also need to understand how did the law become holy? How did the law become good? Okay? Okay? And we also need to understand, but before I even go there, the law can't make you holy. The law is holy and good, but it can't make you holy. Okay? By keeping the law, if you sin, you can't, you can't justify. It's like a plain glass window. It doesn't matter if I have a BB gun going through it. Or I get a baseball bat and I just smash it. It's broken. And in most ways, the only way to fix that is to replace it with a brand new window. I know there's some things in some ways you can fix some glass. You certain like there's a crack in it. Okay. But you understand my illustration. If it's broken, it's broken. We all fell short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. The only way any of us could be saved was not by keeping the law. The only way any of us could be saved is receiving Jesus, who's a propitiation, the substitute, who took our sin and took our penalty and redeemed us by his blood and declared that we're just and justifying those who put faith in Jesus. Okay? But the law can't make you holy. And that's not its purpose. The ministration of the law is to condemn and to kill. It's the ministry of death. And it's a ministry of condemnation. We've already talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7, 8, and 9. Okay? So by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. Okay, that's, to me, that's very clear. You can't be justified by the deeds of the law, by doing the law. Am I telling you to disobey the law? No. But by obeying the law, you can't be justified. Okay? Let's read another one. Galatians 5.1 You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. When we attempt to be justified by the law, we become estranged to Christ. The King James says we be Christ becomes no effect to you. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to be estranged to Christ. I don't want to fall from grace. You can't fall from something if you weren't already there. I can't fall off something if I'm not first on it or in it. Okay? So when we attempt to be justified by the law, we become estranged to Christ. Christ becomes of no effect to us. Okay? Let's look at another one. Galatians 3.21. So, is the law then against the promise of God? Well, see, when I teach it this way, and when Paul teaches it this way, this question comes up. Three times this question came up for Paul. So are you saying the law is bad? The law is against the promises of God? And the answer is certainly not! Exclamation mark. Okay? But that's the obvious question. Because the way I'm teaching it, that comes up. And if that question doesn't come up, and it usually comes in the form of an accusation, <coughs> then, uh, you know, if that question doesn't come up when I preach the Word of God, when I preach the Gospel, when I preach righteousness, then I'm not preaching it the way Paul did, because it came up with Paul multiple times. So when it comes up and people ask me that question, I know I'm good company because it came up with Paul. And that question doesn't come up when you preach the gospel, then you're not preaching it the way Paul did. Now the obvious answer to that question is the law against the promise of God. The, answer, the obvious answer exclaimed is certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have come by the law. If there was a way for the law to give righteousness, there would it, that's the way it would have been. But it can't. It's not that it's not that God's against the law. The law just doesn't have the capacity. It can't say. Jesus says. I'm not putting my faith in the law. I'm putting my or in my performance. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Okay? But the scripture, that's the Old Testament. The scripture has confined all under sin. It's called the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. That the promise by faith in Jesus, Christ might be given to those who believe. He said the same thing in Romans chapter 3. He's just using some different terminology, a different way of saying the same thing. God's not against the the law is not against the promises of God. The law just can't show. It doesn't have any. The law has no mercy. The law has no grace. And we need mercy. The law can't save you. The law can't justify you. That's why when you try to be justified yourself, by the law you just become a stranger to Christ because you are removing yourself from the only thing that can save you, Christ. You're falling from grace. You want it to be earned. Grace is unmerited favor. You're falling from grace. You want, it to, you want it to be earned. It can't be. By, no, by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. It just, it's not that people are... It's not that God's just choosing the way He wants it, or I'm choosing the way I want it. It just can't do it. You can't have it any more than you can have cold fire or dry water. You just can't have it. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. 
I'm not arguing. See, some people think I'm letting people live any way they want to. No. I'm against sin. I hate sin. Sin is dead. will kill you. Sin is stupid. What I do, where I disagree with people is how you get saved. How you obey God. How you live holy. I'm not condoning people to live ungodly. Anyone who says that is lying to the Holy Spirit because I am not teaching that. And the Holy Spirit did not teach you that. The accuser of the brethren and the, lot, the father of lies told you that. Okay? I'm not teaching that. Paul's not teaching that. Okay? Are there people who teach that? Yes. And they are lying to the Holy Spirit. But that's not what I'm teaching here. Okay? So, let's move forward. Okay? Um, so, we established a fact. The law is holy and good. But the law can't make you holy and good. Not only that, the law, the law was made holy by the blood. How did the law become holy? What made the law holy? Because the law is not God. I didn't say it is not of God. I said it's not God. Okay? It doesn't reveal. The law doesn't give testimony to Jesus, yes. But the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. I can get a little ahead of myself. What made the law holy? The blood. The blood. Let's go to Hebrews. But where there is a testament or covenant, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament or covenant is enforced after men are dead, since they have no power while the testator lives. If my father has a will, the will that he has does not go into force until he dies. And I'm not on no way rushing that. Okay? But that's just how it works. That's how a testament works. Jesus had a testament. And the new covenant is not in force until our testator, Jesus, died. But Jesus did die. And so the new covenant is in full force because he died. He rose again, yes. But he died first. Okay, we'll get there. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. So you can't have a first covenant if you don't have a second covenant. Something can't be first if it's the only covenant. Okay. You ever seen the First Baptist Church? I'm, I'm on, and, and I'm, again, I'm not bashing the First Baptist Church. I've seen this, the First Assembly of God. Well, where's the second one? Where's the third one? If there's a third. Okay. But you can't be first if you're the only one. If you're the only one, you're the only one. Okay. It didn't say, we're not even the covenant. It says, no, the first covenant was dedicated without blood. The old covenant is a foreshadow of the new covenant. But even the old covenant. So when people think that the law is holy without the blood, well, not even the old testament with that. They're not, they're not, they're not really consistent, not consistent with the new covenant. They're not even consistent with the old covenant. They're preaching a whole other message that is inconsistent with both the old and new. Okay? For the 
not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For even when Moses, that's the first covenant, the law, had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of cows and goats with water, scarlet, wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book, the law, scripture, itself, and all the people. The law was dedicated by the blood. Okay. He goes on to say, saying, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you, the King Jesus, which God has enjoined unto you. I love this because this is exactly what Jesus said at the Last Supper. This is the blood of the new covenant. And Paul echoes those words in Corinthians when he talked about doing this in remembrance of him. <coughs> And we'll spend time with that uh, later, hopefully next week, when we come back. Okay. Verse 21. Then likewise, he sprinkled, Moses, sprinkled blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, scripture, almost all things were purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Sins. You cannot be justified by keeping the law. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. A lot of people preach obedience. A lot of people preach of, of keeping the law. And I'm a repentance, and I'm all for that. I'm not just repenting from doing something wrong. I want people's sins to be remitted. How are they remitted? By the blood of Jesus. Not by their performance. I'm all for obedience. But again, if I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live my life. The just lives by his faith in this remission of sins. Through the blood, and only through the blood of Jesus. Okay. Even according to the law. Even the law teaches us. The only thing you make anything holy is through the blood, not the law itself. You don't become holy by the law. You became holy even in the Old Testament. You only became holy and righteous by the blood. And that was a temporary sacrifice and not the real sacrifice. We'll get there in just a second. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies, therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens, that's the old covenant, the old tabernacle, the old sacrifices, they were copies of the heavens, of the heavenly ones. If they must be purified with these, by the blood, but the, hev but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What's he saying here? In Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10, the writer of Hebrews is talking about how we are under a new priesthood. We are under a better covenant with better promises. We're not, see, we're in the New Testament. We are not under the priesthood of Levi. Hebrews chapter 7 says Levi was in Abraham's loins when God made covenant with him. Okay? 
We are under a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Our priesthood is Jesus Christ. Levi came from the tribe of Levi. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. We are under a new priesthood. We have a he's our king of it says in Hebrews chapter seven, he's our king of righteousness, and he's our king of can't remember right now. A king of peace, excuse me. Thank you. Um, anyway, so anyway, um, let me retract what I'm trying to say here. If the Old Testament could be clarified without the blood, and there were copies, what's a copy? See, a copy, if I took a piece of paper and I put it on the copy machine, it's going to look like what I copied. But it's not the real thing. It's not the, the wet signature. It's not, if it was color and I copied it black and white, it might be black and white and not color. It might be smeared. It might have smudges because of a bad, bad copy machine. It might be a little fudgy. Okay? And all the different things. But it's a copy of the real thing. And the brother writer of Hebrews is saying, everything done in the in the, in the in the Old Testament was a copy. But we're talking about how we're in a new covenant with better sacrifices over the real, real uh, things in heaven. They were all typology. They were all an allegory. They were all a demonstration, a replica, if you will, of the true heavenly things. And the, the, the replica was, was, was dedicated with the blood of cows and goats and lambs and whatnot. The true heavenly tabernacle was dedicated by the blood of Jesus. Our sins, he became our sins, the sins of the whole world. The propitiation of our sins. And he became our sins. And he died for our sins. And his blood cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Okay? It's awesome. And he goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 12, towards the end of the letter, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just man made perfect. To the spirits of just man made perfect. I'll come back to that. To Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. This is some powerful, if you understand what he's saying here, and I don't have time to unpack it all right now. There's many things he's saying in this, these uh, three verses. But Christ is, uh, the church is one of the assembly, the church of the, uh, of, of the firstborn. Who's the firstborn? Jesus. He was born of he was born of incorruptible seed. He wasn't born from Adam's seed. He was born of the Holy Spirit. A whole, the male has a seed, not the man, not the not Mary. <coughs> the, the, the seed was conceived in Mary's womb, but the seed comes from the male. And the seed was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We just celebrated Christmas. That's what the Christmas message is all about. Okay? And we too. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the same seed, by the same word of God. According to 1 Peter 1.23. Okay? 
who are registered heaven to God and judge of all, to the spirits of men made perfect. How were we made perfect? By the blood of Jesus. Okay? We're made perfect by the blood of Jesus. To Jesus, a mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things. You know, Abel's blood cried out for vengeance because of what Cain, his brother, did to him. But the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus declares us redeemed, purchased, holy, justified by his grace. He's a justifier of those who put faith in Jesus. Jesus alone is the mediator of this new covenant, making just man perfect by his blood. With this, I want to, I'm still on the same, same, same thread. I want to real quick, uh, before we uh, close out here, still have 15 minutes, uh, time, to, uh, time to teach us. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 real quick. We're still under this umbrella in this segment of my teaching right now, talking about removing the veil. Remember the law? It can blind your heart and mind. Some people think that they can be justified by keeping the law. You can't. The law is good, the law is holy, but it can't make you holy. Only the blood of Jesus can make you holy. But Colossians chapter 1, we'll pick at verse 23. If, you, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, we're talking about being established in righteousness. Righteousness reveals, the gospel reveals the righteous God. I want you to be grounded and established and not moved away from this hope of the gospel or preaching. How do we do that? We continue in the faith. Which you heard was preached to every creature in the heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you. To Fulfill the word of God. We're talking about the testimony of Scripture. Paul is saying, I want you to continue in the faith. Not moved from the hope of the gospel. Everything I've done is done to fulfill the word of God. That I, and he goes on to say, the mystery which has been hidden from ages, it's been hidden throughout the, through the Old Testament. It was hidden. It's called the mystery. In the Old Testament, it was called a mystery. It was hidden. Why? There was a veil. There was a veil over it. The law, was, there was a veil. It was hidden from ages, from generations. But now, where did we hear that before? In Romans chapter 3. But now, has been revealed to his saints. I don't, I can't, I don't, I'm not going to go all the way back, but the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Now, God's revealing something. What's he revealing? He's revealing the mystery. He's revealing righteousness. 
by faith in Jesus Christ. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. It, 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 was, it was foggy because it was a veil. Why was it? And one reason, I mean, there's many reasons I go with you here, but it was a copy. I don't know about you, when I copy something, it's fuzzy compared to the real thing. Paintings, replicas. You know, for some of us in the natural eye, we think it's just original. But a real artist, someone who appraises them, and I don't know what all their titles are, but they can tell you if it's authentic or not. They know. Okay? And some things are just obvious, that's a fake, or fuzzy, a copy replica of the real thing. But now God has been revealed to his saints. Who is saints? The church. It's been revealed to us, the saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. The mystery that's been hidden throughout the ages. It's now being revealed to us in the saints, in the new covenant among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's go back. Paul's saying, I want you to continue in the faith. I want you to be steadfast in this hope of the gospel, which to, and everything I've gone through has been in the, to fulfill the word of God to bring you this mystery, to reveal this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. How do you become perfect in Christ? Through the blood of Jesus. We're receiving his righteousness, his propitiation. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory, but we've been justified freely by his grace, whom God has set forth as a propitiation for our sins to demonstrate his righteousness. See, in the Old Testament, it was concealed in the mystery, but now it's revealed. In the Old Testament, it was concealed. In the New Testament, it's revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you have Christ in you, you are perfected. How is Paul going to, how is Paul going to present them perfect in Christ and Christ Jesus? They're not perfect in the law. They're not perfected by their performance. They're perfected in Christ Jesus. How does he do that? By revealing to them this gospel that he is revealing to them. And they have faith, continuing faith. That he's a justifier of those who put faith in Jesus. We're not he already taught in many other of his letters, we're not justified by keeping the law. If we do, we become estranged to Christ. Christ becomes of no effect to us. Like without by the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. So he's telling people to put their faith in Jesus. That's how they're perfected. Okay? And that's that's how he's fulfilling the word of God. That's what he's fulfilling what the scriptures are taught. Okay? He's making known. He's removing the veil of the mystery. And so their hearts are not blinded, their minds are not blinded, but they have this revelation that they're Christ in them. The hope of glory. And that is perfected every man. He's perfect in Christ Jesus to this end. I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Because everything he's teaching is working in him too. Okay? Working in him mightily. This whole perfection. We saw this perfection back here in Hebrews chapter 12. Made perfect. We saw it. We see this perfection right here in this whole context of Colossians. Perfected Christ. 
we see it again in this verse that we used from the beginning of this whole series. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see you and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. There's another one. I don't have it on the screen this morning. But all scriptures proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of, man of God may be perfected, according to the King James, for every good work. It's Jesus. All scriptures proper. It fits with the testimony of scripture, what we're talking about, to present you as perfect. Because the only thing that can make you perfect is his righteousness that he demonstrated at the cross by becoming your propitiation. In the Old Testament, it was a mystery. But to us, it's a revealed Christ unto you, the hope of glory. He goes on to say in Romans 16, at the conclusion of the book of Romans, he says this, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. Why did he say my gospel? I thought it was the gospel of Christ. It is the gospel of Christ. But it's, it's good news to me, too. I'm taking ownership of it. It's not my gospel as I'm the one that died for people's sins. He's not teaching it that way. Paul just would say, you know, the gospel that he's preaching. Because it's, he's, the gospel that he's adopting is the gospel of Christ. Okay, so don't, don't get hung up on that, okay? Okay? Because I'll, I'll, use, I'll use the same phraseology. Really, when you go back down, you want to be honest, it's the gospel of Christ, and it's only the gospel of Christ. It's not another gospel. But it's my gospel. Anyway, don't get hung up on that. According to my gospel, and, to, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Why did I go here? Because this is the same language he spoke here in Colossians. The mystery that was hidden for generations. This mystery is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he goes, he goes on to say, now to him was able to establish you. We're talking about being established in righteousness and the preaching of Christ Jesus according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. But now, made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures, talking about the testimony of scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for are you thinking that I'm teaching against obedience? Nope. Absolutely not. But I'm obedience to the faith. Not to be justified by my deeds of the law, but allowing Christ in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Go back here. It's living in me. And he who is in me is going to obey the word of God. So I'm not against that. See, but now. We're talking, that's the third time we've seen that phrase. But now, made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures. The testimony of scripture. The testimony of scripture. It's made manifest now. And made known to all nations. Tribes, people, tongues, and nations. According to the commandments of the everlasting God. What commandments? The scriptures. That we now are to reveal this for the obedience. Obedience to the faith. We're to obey by what to we are to obey by believing in this gospel. This gospel. We're supposed to obey it. And we're supposed to are we supposed to do what it says? Yes. Not to not to become holy, but because we are. 
See, if you understand that you are the righteousness of God in Him, if you understand that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, if you understand that you are a child of God, if you understand that you are born again, not a corruptible seed, that's where you were, but you're born again of incorruptible seed by the word of God. If you understand that you are saved and that you are holy by the blood of Jesus, then living unholy, disobeying the word of God, living like the devil, and doing the things, you are not living, you are living like someone you're not. Live like who you are, a child of God. You are wed to righteousness and sin not. You don't sin not to become righteous. You awake to this righteousness, to the revelation of this, of this gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now you live like who you are. See, when you live like someone you're not, you're a hypocrite. That's what a hypocrite is. And so, if you call yourself a Christian, but you live like the devil, you're a hypocrite. Now, if you haven't received Christ, if you haven't received Christ, and you think by your performance you're saved, you're a hypocrite. Because you haven't been born again. You're living, you're trying to live holy when you're not. There's a lot of people who are thinking they're saved because of their performance, but they never received Jesus. Your performance doesn't save you. Am I preaching obedience? Yes. But for me, obedience is the fruit, not the root of being born again and being saved. Because it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives me in the life I now live. I live by the faith of God. Obedience to me. I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And some of you think that when I teach the faith of God, that I think it's just believing and not doing anything. No. James makes it very clear. Faith without works is dead. Okay? Well then, well then you're like, well, faith without works is dead. Well, now they're back to the performance. No. It's called a fruit. Okay? So you keep getting the cart before the horse. Okay? It's faith and it's grace. It's not faith alone and it's not grace alone. But true biblical faith is never alone. True biblical faith will always have fruit called obedience. I'm not obeying to get saved. I'm obeying because I am saved. I'm not obeying to, so he becomes my Lord and my King. I'm obeying him because he is my Lord and my King. There's a difference. You know, I've had jobs through the years. I didn't obey a boss so I could... I didn't, I didn't go to a store and start obeying all the directions so I could become an employee. No, I obeyed, once I became an employee, then I obeyed them so they could become my boss. Some of you think that you can obey and then you'll, you'll become a child of God. It doesn't work that way. He becomes your Lord and then you obey Him because He is your Lord. You don't obey to be... You don't obey someone to become an employee. I'm not saying that some of you didn't do some volunteer work and then you got hired. Okay? 
He did volunteer work, hopefully, because he's out of the goodness of your heart. He wanted to serve. Someone saw your good deeds and said, hey, I'd like to hire you. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Okay, I'm trying to make, make a point here. I'm not bashing obedience. I'm just trying to put it in the right perspective. We don't obey to become holy and righteous. We can't obey because we are. And there's a lot more I could say on that. But let me just end with this. We'll come back here next week and we'll pick it up here. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed, being testified by the law and the prophets. We're going to come back and we're going to spend more time with this latter part here. It's really where we're trying to get to the testimony of Scripture. This Scripture testifies of everything I've switched, everything that's been said here, everything I've said this morning. It's testifying that by the Jesus law there's no there's no justification. It testifies that but now the right of God is revealed apart from the law. See, it was a mystery. It was a mystery. They it witnessed it, but it was a mystery. But now it's Christ in his own glory. See, until I got a revelation of the gospel, I didn't understand the Old Testament. But now that I understand the gospel, when I see the New Testament, I mean Old Testament, I see Jesus Christ. That was a mystery. is now revealed. Like as a veil has been removed. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, anyway, that ends our study this morning. We'll pick it up here next week. I'm out of time for the day. Uh, but that gives a lot right there just to chew on. And we'll come back here next week and we'll uh, see how we get Hopefully we get close to wrapping up uh, segment five, and then we got one more segment left to go before we're done with the thing. So anyway, I'm not rushing through this. I'm just trying to give you uh, where we are in the timeline of things. So anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week.